May the Lord bless you. You may be seated in his presence. Thank you so much, worship team. Welcome back, Taylor, Chrissy. We missed you. Amen. And happy birthday to you tomorrow, baby. She is uh, none of your business. No, she's only 29. She's only. It's her golden birthday, 29 on the 29th. That's tomorrow. And um, what a blessing she and Taylor are. They took a little breather and vacation. And remember how I was mentioning uh, last week that I hope that Taylor didn't get in trouble with Louisiana law? He said he almost did. I mean, we, I mean, he didn't have the, it's the real deal. I mean, I wanted to see him on TV, but he, he must have, uh, must have talked his way out of it. I don't know. That's what preachers do. Anyway, I'm so honored to, uh, to be able to bring the word today. And uh, thank you, Sandy, for helping me. I want to talk to you about stones of remembrance. Uh, two texts. The Lord gave me two texts because there's two great events happening today. One is today is Pentecost Sunday. Pentecost, maybe you don't know what that means, 50 days after the resurrection. The word pente, pente, P-E-N-T-E, pente, Pentecost. And, uh, and so that's when the baptism of the Holy Spirit fell, spoke in tongues, Acts 2, the upper room. You know what I'm, anybody know what I'm talking about? We celebrate that festival of Pentecost. Today is that day. And uh, so that's what's happening today. Also, how many glad to be Pentecostal? Okay. Whoo, you, wor- you worried me there for a second. And then the second thing today is Memorial Day. We honored uh, those who served. We, we remember those who gave their life's blood so that we could have the freedom we have today. Let me tell you what you do when you come to church and don't worship. You spit in the face of the people who gave their blood for you to be able to have the chance to Wow, think about that. It's not about your feeling good or feeling appropriate that I want to. It's about it's about honoring today, though. So I had two texts. One is Proverbs 23, 10, and 11, and, uh, and the other one's Joshua 4. So let's go to Proverbs, and let's read that together as they're coming in. Some are still coming in. This is Solomon. King Solomon is giving the mandate that was already given in Genesis. Okay, God already gave the law through the law of Moses. This is one of the laws, and it is, uh, do not remove the ancient landmark, nor enter the fields of the fatherless, for their redeemer, uh, likely kinsman redeemer, remember Ruth, their redeemer is mighty, and he will plead their cause against you. This is a command um, dealing with integrity, dealing with the integrity of God's people, Israel, and uh, they were not to be uh, thieves. Uh, robbers stealing their neighbor's property. So what they did was, whether it was the nation or whether it was uh, a person, one way a person could cheat his neighbor was to move or or, or remove the ancient landmarks, uh, would be stakes or landmarkings, many times marked with stones that they would stack in the property line, on the property line to let everybody know their property, especially if they were poor. And fatherless, that's what the text is saying. And I'm going to explain this a little bit, and we'll go into Joshua, because uh, that's the other part of it. But if somebody wanted to, these pillars had an inscription indicated the boundary line between the field, the district, or the nation, Genesis 31, 51 through 52. But uh, according to the to ancient law codes, including the law of Moses, removing a boundary marker was a serious violation. It is still serious today. If somebody chooses to go and move your marker, I mean, no, that's a big violation that is against the law. So I'm using this text to remind us that there are stones that uh, that the devil, how I many know the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy? He comes to take our boundaries. He comes to take our landmarkings. He comes to take our memory stones, things that we uh, hold dear. This is property he has no hold of. Can somebody say amen? And so that's what he's come to do. But we uh, need to remember these landmarks and uh, not allow them to be removed. So preserving these customs, these laws of justice, traditional land allotments was essential to safeguard Israel's national integrity and identity. I just wanted you to see that because uh, even Job, uh, Job 24.2, the moving of historical landmarks was equivalent to theft. If a corrupt landowner wanted to expand his assets, he could confiscate a portion of his neighbor's land for his own use by moving the landmark. It was a practice um, 
similar to official survey marker that I just mentioned. But by moving that landmark, one could steal not only their land, they could also steal their flocks. They could take whatever is on the other side of that marker. And so the crime, uh, God promised to pour out his wrath upon them. The Redeemer who was watching over those poor people that he allotted that land to. Are y'all hearing anything I'm saying? I'm just setting you up because I believe deceitfulness and lying and wickedness is just rampant in our land today, in America. And Satan is behind the whole thing, and uh, they're tearing down memorials. Are y'all hearing me? They're tearing down, they're taking uh, things that meant something in past and, uh, and, um, and tearing it up. And so no one who practices deceit, Psalm 101.7, no one who practices deceit will dwell in my house, warns the psalmist. It's a serious thing. And so our values are not for sale. Can somebody shout amen? And so Satan has a plan to remove our character as a nation. Uh, in God we trust. In God we still trust as a nation. And so we've, we have uh, to not back down, uh, but we have to deal with, with these landmarks. I want to go to Joshua 4 so you can see some... Uh, of the the um, importance of a memory stone. Okay, Joshua chapter 4, verse 1. It came to pass when all the people had completely crossed over the Jordan that the Lord spoke to Joshua saying, take for yourselves 12 men from the people, from the people. I mean, no, we're all God's people. But he chose 12 leaders of 12 tribes of Israel, one man from every tribe, and command them saying, this is a command, take for yourselves 12 stones from here, where is here? It's in the midst of the Jordan. Remember the story? God opened up the Jordan River, and they walked across on dry ground out of the midst of the Jordan from the place where the priest's feet stood firm. So you remember they put the Ark of the Covenant on the, on the back of the priest. When the priest's feet hit the water, the waters of the Jordan opened. It was a divine miracle. How I many know oh, God divinely helped them cross over to the victory, to the Canaan land, to the promised land, right? In the middle, middle of springtime, raging flood, Jordan, right? It's a raging place uh, of water running over and very dangerous. They could not have crossed otherwise. And how many know God always comes through? So you shall carry them over with you and leave them. So they grow, go in the middle after it's still open. Re remember now, the presence of the Lord goes before them. If you don't get the ark, the presence of God, and the right priority in place, I mean, oh, nothing's going to open up for you. But if you put the Lord first place in priority, I mean, oh, God will open things for you that no man could possibly ever open. And as long as they had the ark of the covenant in the right place, the presence of the Lord, the water stayed and the and they walked on dry ground, not muddy ground, dry ground. And as long as it was open, the command came. To go in the middle and, and you shall carry them over. Get these 12 stones. So there's big rocks, big boulders in the Jordan. And grab one on each shoulder. I mean, oh, it's, it's not for wimps. I said carrying stones is not for wimps. They went in the middle of the place where it was raging. Can anybody here remember a place in your life when the storm was raging, where the waters were rising, and God opened things up for you and you walked across? It's in that same place. God said, now go back. In the middle of it, grab up a stone on your shoulder, heavy stone. Bring it over to the other side, to the victory side. How many are ready to go to the victory side? Go to the victory side and place them stones, one on top of the other. Stack them on the victory side, the place where you should dwell tonight. Right? Next, next verse. So Joshua called the 12 men. It's kind of redundant. Say it again. And he appointed uh, them, one from every tribe, okay, saying the same thing. And Joshua said to them, cross over before the ark of the Lord, your God, into the midst of the Jordan. Each one of you take a stone on his shoulder, according to the number of tribes of the children of Israel, that this may be a sign among you when your children ask in time to come, in the future. And your children say, what do these stones mean to you? Inevitably, it's going to happen. Then you shall answer them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord, before the Lord, not the people, the Lord. I mean, no, the devil can't stop the Lord. If the presence of the Lord wants to go through the Jordan, no water is going to stop it. 
So if you're with the Lord, if you're with the Lord, how many know he's going to help you get through? All right? And when it crossed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off, and these stones shall be for a memorial to the children of Israel forever. That means today. Amen? And the children of Israel did so, thank God. And just as Joshua commanded and took up the 12 stones from the midst of the Jordan, as the Lord has spoken to Joshua, according to the number of tribes of Israel, you know the Bible repeats itself. And when it does, you just read it and you say, this must be very important. The third time I read that. And carried them over with them to the place where they had lodged and laid them down there. And Joshua set up 12 stones in the midst of the Jordan. In the place, in the place where the feet of the priests who bore the Ark of the Covenant stood. And they are there to this day. We have to remember the victory. I mean, there's a day coming may not be so glorious. Raging waters and flood, tides rolling in, uh, storm brewing. But how many know God is still on the throne? And so we got to understand stacking stones is not for the weak-hearted. It takes somebody to believe God while these waters are, you know, suppressed or stopped. I mean, no, God can hold back. I said what the enemy means for evil, God can turn for good. We should not in this day be afraid of the raging waters that are going on in America. Our God still can command the waters and they are held back. Amen? In fact, our nation needs to recover a few stones out of this while we're walking through. I mean, no, the day is the day. The only time we have left is right now. We don't have any more time. Are you understanding? Time is running out. Does anybody understand? Time is running out. The clock is ticking toward the end. And we need to do what we do while we can. So we run in there and get these stones. And uh, so, Pastor, what stones? What stones do we need to recover and remember in America? Number one. These stones we must remember forever. And the property is not for sale. Can you say amen? It's time to tell Satan, you have trespassed and you can go no further. Go into the midst of your Jordan and take this stone. Number one, our identity is not for sale. I mean, oh, geez, God made us male and female. He made us male and female. That's our identity. You can be confused. You can be on pot. You can be drugged out. But I know this is still the truth of the word of God. You can be liberal. You can be Republican. You can be Democrat. I know the word of God stands forever. Male and female. He made them. So I don't care what you think you are. If you think you're a cat or a mouse or whatever, or if you think you're coming back as a cat or a mouse, it wouldn't bother me. This is the word of truth. And they shall know the truth, and the truth will make them free. Pastor, you not have compassion on people struggling? Of course I do. They're mentally ill. This is the word of the Lord. If they obey the word of the Lord, they can have normalcy. If they don't, they have to make a counterfeit, come up with something different. We need to recover this stone and make it a memorial forever. That's the first one. And that's our nation. And not only the identity of our nation, our one nation under God, but our personal identity as a people of God. How many know this nation was founded in the middle of a revival? And the truths we hold, and the truths we hold are taken from a Judeo-Christian foundation, the word of God. We're made in his image. You can't change that. Listen to me. You can't exchange the truth of God for a lie without his wrath. He will come upon us. There will be consequences. Of course you have a choice. Of course you have a choice. What you don't have a choice in is the ramifications of that choice. The consequences of you. Oh, somebody needs to help the preacher preach because I think I better, uh, I better get another one. How about, how about this one? The sanctity of marriage. Come on now. How many know we need to hold up? Man and woman forever. A woman marries a man. They have a child. And that child is either a boy or a girl. My mama, she might have went to sixth grade. But she, when my sister got pregnant, she told my sister, honey, I don't know what you know it or not, but it's going to be a boy or a girl. I mean, you don't have to be smart. 
you have to do some ingenuity to change God's ideal and plan. You have to do some surgery to change God's ideal and plan. That means if you're changing your physical, you probably lost your mental. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because God's identical, uh, ideal is marriage, man and woman. Because a man and man can't make a child. And a woman and a woman can't make a child. I wish I was preaching to somebody who believed this stuff. This is stuff we must hold to. Unchanging. Satan can't take this landmark and move it. Satan has tried to rob us, steal us from our identity, which is in the Word of God. If you take the Word of God out, you have nothing else to stand on. That's the sanctity of marriage. He intended for us to be one flesh, male and female, Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. So the truth will set you free. So you can choose, but it ain't going to be good for you. Diseases, conflict, confusion, your children don't know. Two daddies and two mamas. What in the world? Children are all confused. Are y'all hearing me? You can call it liberal. I call it sinful and wicked. All right, so this is the sanctity of human life. Let's just go there. How many know that abortion is against the will and plans of God? Now, now listen, in, in, in some cases, in a few cases, there are situations where people have been uh, violated, uh, violently violated, and or it's, it's critical for their own health of the mother, or the whole situation is, is uh, somewhat uh, medically has to be dealt with. But I'm talking about the morality of murdering 68 million babies since Roe v. Wade. That's what I'm talking about, the sanctity of human life. So we let the whales live, and we let the squirrels live. We let the turtles live, but we kill the babies. I mean, the Lord's going to bring judgment on that immorality. And it's, it's, it's a bad day. It's a bad day, but it's not for sale. We still believe that human life is valuable. I said, did you know that the v- Vietnam Memorial has 68,000 names on it? And it stretches for about 500 feet. And thank God for soldiers that gave their life. Are you hearing me? But if we built a memorial today for these little babies who were killed since Roe v. Wade, it would have over 45 million names on it, and it would stretch 63 miles. How about we remember them? How about we protect the unborn? How about we defend the defenseless? How about we say, no more? We have to, we have to remember these. These, this is real. Okay, in a Pentecostal church, they would shout me down. How about the freedom to worship? You know what? You you want to worship a cow? Go ahead. You have the same freedom as I do. But don't knock me because I want to worship Jesus Christ the Lord. I'll let you go ahead. I was in India, and they're starving to death. The cows are running away, blowing the horn in the street. Get the cow out of the way because he ain't moving because he's the king of the of the whole place. Dying of starvation. There's steak in the road. I feel for them. I feel for them. I feel for the deep-seated false teaching. I feel for the people who are innocently believing a lie because they've been taught that since, since they were born. So they were steeped in religion, which means bondage. But Jesus came to break bondage and give us freedom. Break it. So I'm glad that I can come to worship. And i got to tell you one more time, praise and worship is important in this house. It's one of our principles, uh, worship and prayer, evangelism, discipleship, and missions. It's who we are. It's the DNA of this house. And if you get to this house, you already already ought to be prayed up and pray and worshiping. You don't start when the music starts. You already were worshiping before you got in the house. And then you don't stop when the music stops and we walk out of here. Hopefully you worship God every day. Hopefully you're worshiping God every day. But this nation is trying to put stamp out your worship. I said, the Christian is the target. You may not believe it now, but uh, in other countries, they'll cut your head off if you name the name of Jesus. It's not happening here, but you'll feel it soon. You'll feel it soon. It's worship. And so, how about freedom of worship? How about the freedom to speak? deal with that. I mean, we still have free speech, 
Believe me, I hear all the nonsense going on out there, and they have the freedom to do it. But why are they coming against a Christian who's just preaching Jesus? Why is what we say so alarming? My, my watch is going off. I'm bringing it back tomorrow. Oh, she says, sorry, I don't understand. Siri said, my watch said, don't worry, Siri, nobody else does either, baby. Freedom of speech is a big deal. It was so big, it's, it's in the Constitution. For the people. If you have a thought, you ought to have the right to say your thought. But you don't have a right to say what you think is right and kill everybody else's speech. Cancel culture is a bad deal. It means we're promoting one agenda and we're promoting it with aggression. And anybody's for the name of Jesus or for God, they are, are just, you know, bad. I mean, no, good has become evil and evil's turned to good. And so we're seeing it happen and we need to revive the stones, recover the stones of free speech. And everybody said amen. How about the freedom to teach my children whatever I want to teach them? How about that? I thank God for educators. I do. But educators don't have a right to teach my children against what I believe. I'm just telling you, you teach them arithmetic and reading and writing. You teach them how to read and spell and ABCs. But you don't tell my children whether they are a boy or a girl. You don't tell them where they come from, what they're supposed to believe. You stick to the books. You want to teach them baseball? Teach them baseball. But you don't teach them. That's left and reserved for parental guidance. Parental guidance. PG, in fact. PG, not rated X. And so there's some big deals going down the pipe today in our, in our nation. How about pornography, which once was, was in the background, right? Who was in a, in a store you'd go in. It was locked in plastic and put in the back closet. You had to check it out and show your ID. Today they they today they plumb that right right into the sewage of your house, right into your living room, right into your your video, right into your your or your uh, computer. Access is unbelievable, and we wonder why we have so much pedophilia and all kinds of things going on in our nation today, and children so young seeing violence and all kinds of things. All access to all this evil. Is anybody hearing the preacher? That is the diet they're feeding this generation. So we've got to get these stones out and put them on the victory side and let every child who sees, who asks, what does this stone mean? I'll tell you what it means. It means we worship Yahweh God and there is no other. That's what it means. I said that's what it means. Freedom. Freedom to worship and speak. Freedom to live in peace. I don't think it's God's will for us to live in fear. I don't think it's God's will to let somebody else raise my children. And Mom and Daddy, if that's what you're doing, you know what? You're putting their whole soul at risk, not just their life now, but their life in eternity. So what about the stones the church should recover? How about that? Uh, marriage between a man and woman, that we already discussed that. But, but, hey, the stones at the church, we need to guard these, protect these. Joshua put these stones up. And there were stones that the church should recover as well. Let's see what those stones were. Back that up a little bit. Stones, uh, yeah, there they go. I've got some more stones. Anybody want to see? Is the problem with America? They are stoned. How about salvation by the blood? I mean, we need to keep on preaching Jesus and the cross and the blood. Say, well, that's outdated. How many know it's not outdated? It's 2,000 years old, but it's very much relevant. How many know he can save a soul today? Take a heart that's stony and hard and callous and change it, but the Holy Spirit can come and make it soft, and they can give their heart to Jesus. Hey, if you're going to St. Louis, there could be somebody in St. Louis that give their heart to Jesus. It could be a transformation from drug addict. How many know God can save homosexuals and drug addicts and prostitutes? How many believe he can? The blood, listen. We, the church might have a problem with it, but how many know Jesus didn't have a problem? He dealt with the sin of people every day. And he brought him into salvation. That's why this is not for sale. You come back to Old Grove, should the Lord tarry, and I'm still here, I'll be preaching this same message. Say, Pastor, that's old and outdated. Sorry, Charlie. It's in the book. We're going to keep on preaching it, right? Now, how about another one? That one didn't move you there very much. 
How about prayer in Jesus' name? We had a saint of God in my last church, Sister Foster. She didn't think you prayed at all unless you prayed in Jesus' name. She couldn't hear real well. Some people have that problem when they get past 50. But uh, I'd go to the nursing home, pray for Sister Foster. Let me get my, where's my new towel? Yeah, there you go, Brother Mike. Got my new towel. So uh, I would pray for her in the nursing home. She's, and so one time I prayed, and I didn't say, in Jesus' name, at the end. Big mistake. Big mistake. To which Sister Foster said, to her, excuse me, son, you're not done praying because you didn't finish in Jesus' name. I said, oh, God can't hear unless I say in Jesus' name. I mean, no, that's not true. But what is true is we have authority in the name of Jesus. I'm not praying in my own name. I'm not praying in the name of Allah. I'm not praying in the name of uh, Muhammad. I'm not praying in the name uh, of the assemblies of God. I'm praying in the one and only name whereby any man can be saved, the name of Jesus. How many think there's authority in that name? Victory in that name. Power in that name. Come on. They were praying the day the Pentecostal fire fell. It fell in a prayer room, not in a coffee shop. I wish somebody helped me preach. It's getting hot up here. Let me see what else. I got a little thin one here, but just because the rock is thin doesn't mean that the gospel is thin. You go into some churches, the gospel is so thin, you don't even hear it, you can't even know it. How about divine healing? How many know we need to believe and hold on to divine healing, especially in the day that's coming soon? We need to know that Jesus still heals. I said it's one of the four cardinal doctrines of the assemblies of God. Divine healing. Miracles, miracles. Does anybody still believe in miracles? I mean, he, there's a whole bunch that believe is tearing it apart. Hey, I'm tearing it apart. This is miracles. Don't worry about the little tag. I mean, on the way up in the rapture, tags are not going to help you anyway. And on the way down to hell, they're not going to help you anyway. When you go down, they burn off. And when you go up, they blow off. But how many know it's still true? Still true. How many still believe in miracles? Hey, if you're here today and you need a miracle, keep on believing. Don't believe those uh, cessationists that say that was only for the apostles. Why would God only give you his power for a little bitty moment? I mean, oh, we need him more today than anybody's ever needed him before. And if God turns this thing around, it will be a miracle. If he don't, it won't be because we did not tell everybody. Keep the main thing the plain thing. Amen. Keep it simple. Keep it true. What else you got? Hey, the baptism in the Holy Ghost. And let me add, by the baptism, speaking in an unknown tongue. Come on, does anybody here believe in the baptism in the Holy Spirit? There's a whole lot of churches, even in our fellowship, that deny or disown or think it's something relegated to a back room. I mean, oh, God's not ashamed, and neither is Old Grove Assembly. We still believe. I said, we still believe on this Pentecostal Sunday, on this Memorial Day Sunday, we still hold high the bloodstained banner and divine healing and the miracles. And we still believe in the baptism. I mean, we can't even fight against the enemy if we don't have the power of the Holy Spirit. It's the presence of God that went and opened up the Jordan in the first place. And that's why Joshua said, I command you. Go get these stones, and I want you to tell these students what happened, not just in 1914, but I want you to tell them what happened in 1906. Tell them what happened in the the second great awakening, in the first great awakening, and tell them what's going to happen in the next great awakening. The Lord's coming. I said, the Lord is coming. Woo, my Lord. It's a big one. I said, it's a big one. So it's not that heavy. But let me tell you, as a pastor, a preacher in this culture today, it's hard to keep preaching truth when everybody doesn't want to hear it. I said it's hard to stand in the pulpit and declare, thus saith the Lord, when the culture's making fun of the church and laughing at them as though they are some outdated, uh, irrelevant bunch of people. Can I tell you, he's coming whether you believe it or not. I said he's coming. And not just a rapture, which is any time now. Any moment now, the imminent return of the Lord, 
He won't hit the earth. He don't want to touch this filthy earth. I mean, no, he's going to touch it when he comes to the second. The second coming. The second time he comes. So the first time he's coming to get us. The second time he's coming with a sword. And the Jesus asked a very serious question at the end. He said, when I do come back, will I find faith on the earth? I'm telling you, he'll go into some churches. They won't believe none of this. They don't believe none of this. I'm telling you, I still do. I said, I still do. I believe in the second coming. Therefore, I want to be ready. I said, I want to be ready. I don't, not only do I need to be ready, I have to be ready. I want to be ready. I'm not going to heaven just to get away from hell. I'm going to heaven to be with my Jesus. I'm in love with the one who's coming. He's the redeemer. He's the bridegroom. He's the one who's made a way where there is no way. He's prepared a place for me. And that where he is, I can be also. He's coming, church. He's coming to get us. Are you ready? Are you ready? What will you have to do if you knew? Let's say you had a 10-minute warning, which you don't. You don't. I said you don't. This is your 10-minute warning. Miracles, just so you know, uh, I'm not lying. It says miracles. What if you had 10 minutes? Tell you what's going to happen one second after the rapture. The church doors, they'll be in the parking lot, lined up to 65. You know why? Several people know it's true, but have denied the truth, suppressed the truth. And there's a large group that have exchanged the truth for a lie. So it makes them feel better about their sin. Can I tell you? Don't get too too chummy with your sin. In fact, I'll tell you more after that dream I had last week. Don't get too chummy with your stuff. I wouldn't get too chummy with my sin. I wouldn't get too chummy with society. So, Pastor, we're going to we're going to St. Louis. You bet. You know why we're going to St. Louis? To win people to Jesus. I mean, no, there is a church in St. Louis. I said there are people there who love Jesus in St. Louis. And some of them are non-AG. Can you imagine that? And we're going to come together for one reason. To seek and to save that which is lost. Pastor, what are you going to tell them? I'm going to tell them all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I'm going to tell them I needed a Savior and so do they. And I'm going to tell them there was one. Only one. I said there was only one. There's a lot of saviors that have come, messiahs, but none of them. Listen, some of them even died, but none of them came back to life. And and if they did, it was temporary. I mean, oh, Jesus is alive. He not was alive. He is alive. And he's praying for you and for me. So what's the point, Pastor? The point of this message is simple. Boy, did I preach this fast. That's another miracle. The point, the point is you should remember. Remember your victories that God has given to you. That's what verse 3 was all about. Hey, I command you to go back and get stones. Go get them. There's a reason for you to stack these stones. Pastor's not just making up an illustrated sermon. We want you to see it. We want you to know it. As if you didn't. We've been preaching 21 years. And prior prior to me, Pastor Webb preached it. Prior to him, uh, Pastor Sugar. Prior to him, Pastor Campbell. Prior to him, Pastor Moore. And on and on, Pastor's. There's 10 pastors in the 78 years, and they all said the same things. But it's inevitable that the, that the Lord is going to close the door. Listen, listen to me. Don't be quick to give the devil all the credit for what's happening. But how many know sovereign God has got a plan? God's got a plan. I know the world is bought into Satan's plan, because Satan has a plan too, to deceive, to trick to deny God, to exchange truth for lies and cause people to be out of lose, absolutely lose their mind. You know, when, when Romans talks about a reprobate mind, turning them over, they're so filled with wickedness. Listen to me, because in Genesis 6, it didn't take but six chapters in the Bible. Six. Where the Bible says man's heart and intent of his heart 
was on evil continually. Continually. So much so that what's in a man's heart usually walks out through his feet. It definitely comes out of his mouth. So this country has leaders and people, uh, educators and professors in colleges who are spewing out lies and canceling the church and lifting up. Oh, I wish somebody would help me preach. If truth is spewed out, then you're a bigot. But if lies are spewed out, you're a hero. And that's what's going on in our country. But how many know there's a day of reckoning coming? I say there's a day of reckoning coming. And it was so evil in their heart, intent continually, God destroyed the entire world. Except one man found grace in the eyes of the Lord, Noah. And only eight got saved. That uh, evangelistic crusade was, you know, seemingly unsuccessful. Eight. So if you're looking for a big crowd and accolades from men and praise and a lot of money, the place that we're heading soon has none of that. So whoever's enjoying that, let them enjoy it now. Because how many know that it rains on the just and the unjust? Let me tell you, what: when it, whenever what's coming comes, everybody's going to be affected. I don't think you understand me. Both Republican, Democrat independent, and whatsoever you want to be. They're all going to be affected. I said, when the crunch comes financially, you're not going to really wave your flag. A political flag is not going to save us. Are you all hearing me? I love America. God bless America. But government is not going to save us in the day of the Lord. Not sure what we're going to have to go through. I'm going to put to pen some of the thoughts that I had during that dream last week. I'm going to put it to the pen and try to sort out some thoughts uh, because it's just quick. It was just a quick dream, and, uh, and, I, and I feel like it was from the Lord. Now I'll piece it together. But basically, it was at the end of the day, it was we went from, from possessions to poverty overnight. Overnight. So you know the timeline? No, I don't know the timeline, but it was too close for comfort. Too close for comfort. And I don't know we can survive. I don't think Americans know how to survive. I asked the Lord as soon as I woke up, how have I ever felt such poverty that we're living in the woods? He said, when you were on missions trips. I've been in third world countries. I've been in fourth world countries. I've been where, where we ate hairy goat. I don't know, but I don't go home at night and say, Melissa, how about we eat some hairy goat tonight? Why don't you go out in the back and milk the goat? Let's drink some straight goat milk tonight. Okay? But they do. I've never had to bathe in the river. I've never had to purify my water. I've never had to cook over a fire. Unless that powwow, Gary. Powwow is going to come in handy. If you were a raw ranger, you're ahead of the game. I'm telling you now. Survival. Say, Pastor, is that going to be before the rapture or after the rapture? I don't know. I'll be ready for whenever it is. What I'm telling you now is we can't let Satan remove these sacred landmarks. You can't steal our property, devil. You're not coming on our turf. We're going to remember these stones. We're going to know where they came from out of the flood. And we, uh, we, what we, it's not what we did. It's what God did. And we have to remember these victories. And I'm sure they were shouting that day when the Jordan River opened. And how many know we'll be shouting when the Lord comes and open up the clouds? But that's it. That's D-Day for sure. So where did, where did they put these stones? They put it in the camp. And they keep the stones where everybody could see them. That's why I stuck these styrofoam things. There's styrofoam's all over the platform, but I don't really care. I wanted you to see. And these are just a few of the things. This could be higher. I said this could be higher. And at least four cardinal doctrines, but there's 16 that could be higher. Holding up a bloodstained banner, because that's the only hope for America and us personally and for the church. So keep them everywhere where everybody can see them. Uh, also, teach your children when they ask, what do these stones mean? So Joshua, before they even the children ask on the other side, Josh, Joshua contemplated, 
that it was probably inevitable that they would ask. Children are inquisitive. They are going to ask. And mom and dad, if your kid comes home, you ought to be able to give them a biblical answer. Don't give them an answer from the government. Don't give them the answer from the culture. Give them the Bible answer. Other, other than that, you're going to give them a real big problem. They have a choice in the matter. If you have no starting point for anything you believe, if you don't believe the Bible. And then the finally, never, never move, never move these stones or allow anybody else to move these stones. All right, next slide. Hold on to the faith. This is what I want you to get. Chrissy, y'all can come back if you want to, and the ushers can get ready for communion. Hold on to the faith. Uh, that tells me that somebody's going to try to take it away. I'm talking about holding on. Holding on. I don't think we're going to slide into the rapture. I think we're going to fight the good fight of faith. I don't think it's going to be a picnic. Now listen. I believe personally in a pre-tribulation rapture. So I don't believe that the church of God is going to see the wrath of God. But I do believe in persecution and I do believe in trials. All of us are in the same place. Yeah, ushers, if you wouldn't mind helping Gary, he's standing up here by himself. <laughs> I don't know what they were waiting on, Gary. <laughs> anyway, it's kind of that way. I've so mesmerized them, Gary, with my preaching. They were just, just stoned. That's what it was. And so, and so, basically, basically, back that up one more time for me, uh, Sandy. Believe God for future victories. Believe God for future victories. We're going to worship the Lord while they distribute these elements. I hope you take this message to heart. Don't take for granted the liberties that you have. Hold fast to the profession of your faith. Oh, how I love Jesus. Sing it with us. everyone been served? Some are still being served. In the balcony, everybody? On the platform? Everybody good? You're okay? Tell you about another memorial. Another memorial, Gary. Jesus said, as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you remember the Lord's death until I come.
Since he has not come, we're going to continue to do communion. All right? It's because it's a snapshot. It's a snapshot of what Jesus did in redeeming all of us. And that Redeemer who protected our, our land, our territories, our lives, our heart, I mean, no, he's going to. He's going to bring judgment against anyone who tried to steal. I'll tell you, it's pretty wicked in a culture that's trying to steal the hearts of our children. Pretty wicked culture. They targeted our children. I said they're targeting our children and our grandchildren. They're targeting them. It's intentional. It's intentional. Now, I have a lot of compassion for people who are confused. I have a lot of, I know that people need counseling. I know that people have been hurt, deeply hurt. Some been deeply hurt by the church. Some been deeply hurt by ministers. Some be, some have been abused. And when you add that issue of abuse, can you imagine being abused by your father or your mother or your uncle or your cousin? Okay. When you add the issue of abuse, then you need to, you need to be more compassionate in talking in the conversation with somebody. In my thoughts today, I'm generic. I'm generic. I'm preaching to the whole body about a real issue in our culture. But everybody has a real story. And everybody's story is real. And everybody deserves the same grace. Come on now. Everybody deserves the same grace, the same opportunity to reason out the scriptures, to find out how deep is your hurt so you can find out how deep is his love. His love, let me tell you how deep his love is. This is not a BG song. His love is so deep that we're celebrating 2,000 years later the price he paid so that you can be redeemed, forgiven, mentally healed, emotionally healed, physically healed. I mean, oh, it was all in the cross. It was all in the cross. Every bit of salvation was paid for, bought and paid for. Your debts have been canceled. You don't have to live in guilt. You don't have to live in shame. I wish I had a church that was listening to me. And that's the gospel message. It's not condescending. It's not condemning. It's filled with truth and grace. Truth and grace kissed on the cross. I can only tell you, if I only told you one side of God, that he loves you, he loves you, he loves you, he loves you, then you would never get your heart right with God because you just think you can do whatever you want. I mean, no, he is a just God. You will reap the ramifications, the consequences of the choices you're making in your life. And if you don't listen, there's nothing else we're going to be able to do for you. So we're living in a culture that said the church is judgmental. They judge everybody. Too judgmental. Don't judge me. Listen, if I don't, I mean, oh, the Lord, the Redeemer will. The Redeemer will. Parents have children that don't want to be corrected. Don't correct me. Can I tell you, I was an 18-year-old young man when my mama slapped me in the mouth. In public. Jimmy, I was in a public department store. And I said, smart out, uh, smart Alex, something to my mama. And I didn't even see it. She's only four foot five on a good day. I didn't even see it, but just as fast as I smart, uh, smart, she went, pow. And the only thing I had left to do was look around like, oh, did anybody just see that? I'm a grown 18 year old man. I know everything. I mean, when you're 18, you know everything. But mama said, I'll tell you what you didn't know. You didn't know how fast my slap was. Can I tell you how grateful I am for a mama who will correct me? Can I tell you how much wisdom there is in heeding to the correction of your parents? Correction of your pastor, your preacher, somebody who loves you enough to tell you the truth. Can I tell you it will bless you? Can I tell you if your doctor gives you medicine, they know this is going to help you take your medicine. Take the medicine. If you don't, it's going to infect and get worse and you could die. The wages. The wages of sin is death. I don't know how you want to dress that up. But if you put a tuxedo on a pig, it doesn't make it anything more than a pig. But I believe there's a ram in your thicket. 
I said, I said, I believe there's a storm in your middle of your drought. I mean, no, the rain is going to come into your life. I believe victory's on the way. There's a blessing at the bottom of the sea. It doesn't matter if it's a whale that swallows you up and throws you up on the shore. I mean, no, you'll be grateful that God chased you down. I believe there's going to be an earthquake in the middle of your prison. I don't know where you are today, but I want every one of you to stand with me. We're going to take communion, and then we're going to go to the altar. I'm done preaching. We're going to take communion. We're going to go to the altar. We're going to pray for the sick. If you're here and you have bondage of any kind, how many know God wants to set you free? Say, Pastor, you don't know how hard it is. Hey, we will walk with you through every step of the way. If we have to just cut, if we only could just cut one strand, just cut one strand today. It's a little looser. Then tomorrow we'll cut another strand. You'll be a little bit more loose. And then before long, if you keep cutting that strand, how I many know you'll be free? But you got to start somewhere. So let's take the elements and believe God. Hope you don't have any questions about the cracker. We ran out of the communion bread. I'd rather take a cracker than not to have communion with you. I mean, these are just elements, symbols. It represent a broken body. I broke every one of these crackers so that you could take communion to remember that one body was broken. One man, one man, his body was broken. That's what this represents. And the blood, hey, it's just grape juice. Okay? What kind? It's not purple grape juice. It's red grape juice. Does it really matter since it's symbolic? This is just an element. What I'm telling you is, the truth is, it represents the blood. The blood that was spilled for your sins and mine. And today we hold up these elements. Come on, hold them up to the Lord. And let's thank God for it. Father, right now we thank you for your broken body and your spilled blood. Without which, Lord, we would not have healing in our minds. We wouldn't have healing in our emotions. We wouldn't have healing in our body. We wouldn't have healing in our soul. We wouldn't be saved. We wouldn't be saved. But today we take it together to memorialize, to remember. This is a great stone to remember on Pentecost Sunday. That every time we think of Pentecost, we have to go back to Calvary. And every time we get to Calvary, it leads us to Pentecost. I pray, God, in the name of Jesus, for every person here, that when the altar is open in just a few minutes, somebody would come and find freedom from bondage. Freedom, whether it's emotional, mental, or any other physical, or any other bondage, I pray that you give us freedom, especially spiritual freedom. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Let's partake together, would you?